0: Happy New Year and welcome to Bookstore Explorer, the show where we go behind the shelves with booksellers to find out what makes indie bookshops such magical places. I'm author Matt Browning, and this week we visit another bookstore in the making. Friends and business partners, Nikki Stanton and Jamie Wood have teamed up to open Hairs and Hatters in Pocatello, Idaho. To raise money for the brick and mortar store, Nikki and Jamie are hosting pop-up shops around their town and offering a unique book subscription box. And they're here to tell us all about it. So come along as we go bookstore exploring. Ladies, welcome to Bookstore Explorer. It's uh, nice to have you here.
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah, us. we're happy to be meeting with you.
0: And happy new year. It's one of my first episodes of 2023.
1: Yeah, 2023. That's it came quick. It's it crazy. Did.
0: It did. Um, you know, so normally I start the top of the show with a physical sort of walkthrough of the shop, but <laughs> but you're a shop in the making. so so we don't have much to walk through yet but
1: that's right but when we do our pop-ups we do have a little bit of a setup we go around um which has kind of a funny story to it if somewhat silly which is Nikki has this rug she loves I love the rug and it is our bookshop so our bookshop is a rug right now we lay (laughs) out our rug we set up a perimeter and we invite people in. And it really was such a great idea because it gets down to what we wanted a bookshop to be, which was this cozy place of inclusion. And um, and that is something that's a physical thing, right? Like yeah. that's why a bookstore needs to be physical is it's a place to come in. So we're working on it. We're starting with a rug. <laughs>
0: So how big is this
2: rug? Yeah, we were out in the parking lot of this coffee shop. It's like a nine by 11 rug. It has fringe on the side. It's covered in this polka dot pattern. It's gray and cream and white. And we're out there standing. Jamie's holding one end of the rug. I'm holding the other end of the rug. And I'm like, they're going to think we're insane. Like, they're going to think we're insane because it's concrete floors. It's this really industrial, cool coffee shop in our downtown. That's Park coffee shop. Part meeting place, and they had reached out to us. We were looking for our first pop-up shop, which I know is how a lot of bookstores get started now, and they had actually reached out to us and said, you know, welcome to the community. We're so excited about this. Let us know if we can help, and I'm like, well, actually, we're looking for a place for a pop-up. You can help us, and they were more than welcome to have us, but we're standing out in the parking lot holding this ginormous rug, not wanting to go in. I was like, they're gonna think we're insane. And Jamie's like, you hauled it all the way here, let's do it. So we walk in with this rug, and the guy who manages the place looks at us and says, Oh, I didn't realize we were going all out today. And I said, Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> so we hauled this rug in. I we had bought shelves specifically for the pop-up, brought other shelves and tables from our homes, and it did look like a miniature tiny bookstore. And We set it up and it was just this really delightful moment for Jamie and I as we sat there over overlooking our creation thinking, um, I think that was the first time for me. I don't know if it was for Jamie that it felt like we had gone from pretending to put a bookstore together to actually having one. It was this really cool moment. Yeah. So how did it go that
0: day? Because, you know, books and coffee shops go together very, very well
1: they're such a great community downtown in our area. And so it was really lovely. And it was something called they have a First Friday Art Walk. So that was when we were there. And there were other businesses that were there for the day also. So we had a lot of fun people coming through. And then we had great people from our own lives that made sure to get down there and support us, which was amazing. And, um and so it was lovely, you know, to have all the people coming through and we'd have, I kind of liked that it would be quiet, quiet, quiet for a while. And then a bunch of people would all come. And it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting that things happen in waves like that, but um, it was fun to have this little chattering community in our tiny rug space for a little while. And then it would calm down for a bit. So.
0: What were you selling? Did you have new books? Did you have used books, a blend?
2: We had Jamie had gone through and picked out, we decided to focus on holiday books so she had gone online and ordered what we felt like was a large amount of books. So we had some really great children's authors. We had some really great contemporary, some really fun, even like holiday rom-coms. The boxes arrived at my house and I immediately called Jamie. And I'm like, it is not enough. Like, it feels like there's <laughs> 10 books here. So we panicked and went on and ordered a bunch more contemporary fiction, some nonfiction Um, Lots more boxes arrived. So we had a large amount of new release books available, a large amount of holiday releases. Not all of them were new. Some of them were kind of favorites. And then we have um, a friend of ours who donated a bunch of books so that we were able to offer like some bargain books, some books for sale. So they were kind of like new to us. And we refer to them as our bargain books mm-hmm. um, because not everybody can afford to pay, you know, $40 for new books. We want to make sure that everybody who came had something. And then we also, one of the first things that we did when we, like, before we even knew how to get books, is we had purchased and kind of conceptualized some merchandise. So we also had pins, water bottle stickers, t shirts, hoodies. Which really surprises me. I did a bookstore tour after COVID and went and visited a bunch of independent bookstores. And if you love books like I do, you tend to have a huge stack of books to read. And I don't always need books, but when I go into a bookstore, I always want to buy something. And I was always surprised that there were no t shirts, no bags, no stickers. Like there was, I would have to buy books and add to this list of books that I was already reading. So that was one of the first things that we purchased. It was the first things available on our website. And so we also had all of our like merchandising there. And then we did have like one kind of toy item, um, a little startup business kit for kids in case people came in and couldn't find a book they wanted, but they still wanted to give a gift for a little reader. We had some other things like that too, as well.
0: That's interesting point. Sometimes you'll walk into a bookshop and there's no sideline merchandise. And sometimes you'll walk in and it's, overpowering the actual book inventory (laughs) the trick is i guess to find the balance between the two perhaps
2: i I personally felt like i personally felt like so i started touring bookstores right after like the lockdown happened um my family is from portland oregon and so the call to save pal books was a lot like pretty dominating most of my feed during the first of the lockdown and then reaching out and kind of looking at other independent bookstores that I knew were close to my area. They were all saying the kind of the same thing. So I'm going online and buying things. And it was really surprising to me how some of these bookstores that had been around for a while kind of had a weak online presence. So websites were hard to navigate. It was kind of hard to find things, lack of merchandise, When I was finally able to go into bookstores, I was in PALS over the summer of 2020, and they, the the location on Hawthorne is massive, so they do have the square footage to have a lot of merchandise, and they would just have these tables running through the middle of their aisles full of plates, cups, bags, hoodies, amazing t-shirts with really super fun designs. I don't know if they have an official logo, but they had a wide variety of shirts to pick from they lean into that portland culture as well so a lot of merchandise with just portland on it in general and then some bookstores are super tiny but all they're offering is books and i wanted to collect a t-shirt or hoodie from every single bookshop that i went through and i was only able to buy four out of the dozen or so that i went to so that really surprised me
0: and listeners if you're not familiar with pals books in portland i mean it's a city block multiple floors their maps to get you around it is a massive world unto itself
1: yeah it's yeah. amazing it's amazing i've never been there myself so
0: it's it's uh like the emerald city of bookstores
1: <laughs> the emerald city that's fun yeah.
0: so let's what let's rewind a bit and go back to the beginning of when did you have this idea to open a bookshop
1: He's never flung a whodunit across the room on the grounds of incompetent sleuthing. Ian Pearce hasn't, because he's never read a whodunit in his life. He still boasts that he could solve one, though. Listen
2: and learn as this self-appointed crime guru attempts to guide a private investigator to the truth in An Original Murder Mystery, written by Tom Knight. Welcome to The Directed Detective.
1: Nikki and I kind of started separately. Um, so she, I had kind of just kicked it around more like probably the way a lot of people do just as a dream bookstore. I would talk about my pretend bookstore that I was going to open. I bet everybody has a pretend bookstore in their pocket. Um, and then I had kind of heard from Nikki. She was taking some classes and she put out a survey about it. And I asked, is this a survey for your class or is this a real, is this a real thing you want to do? And she said, no, it's a real thing. And so then we got together, but um, she can tell you the beginning of how she started looking at, I think part of it is what she's already told you about looking through independent bookstores, but that was where she started.
2: Yeah. When you start going into a lot of independent bookstores, it. I really started to want one, especially for my own community, to see what independent bookstores do for their communities. I just really felt like I needed to have one immediately. <laughs> so I started asking when I go into bookstores, like, who owns this place? And if the owner was there chit-chatting with them, and a really turning point for me was I was in Coraline, Idaho, for a conference and popped into the Well-Read Moose, and the owner happened to be there and started chit chatting with her and um, just kind of asking questions like, how did you even go about doing this? I didn't even, I couldn't even fathom how you even got books into a bookstore. And asked her, spent a few times, spent a few minutes speaking with her and getting kind of her take on her journey to opening that bookstore. It's a really lovely place. If you're ever in Coeur d'Alene. it's super cool. And she kind of led me to a couple national organizations like the American Booksellers Association. So the second I got home, I got on and and paid these dues and started hopping on Zoom calls and asking all these seasoned bookstore owners really annoying questions like, where do you guys get books? (laughs) How do you you pay taxes? (laughs) You know, things like that. And then tapping into some other local resources. um, Our state offers a lot of um, business assistance for entrepreneurs And um, where, hence the survey that came from. And I was so grateful that Jamie had kind of responded. I was feeling really overwhelmed. It's a lot to take on just for one person. Jamie comes with a massive skill set. So she's a writer and understands a lot of that, that kind of publishing world in a way that I didn't. Um, and has been really instrumental she's a really important part of this team because she makes her sure that things get done on time and <laughs> we remember things like taxes which is really great <laughs> I remember the rugs <laughs>
0: she remembers the taxes <laughs> <laughs> how did learned- the two of you meet one another
1: we were in a writing group together and it wasn't actually a super organized writing group um it's kind of just a community one that met together and then during COVID of course um we didn't. So when we so I think I I mean I probably only met with you three or four times, I think. Yeah, through. Yeah. Um, because I had moved to Pocatello six years ago. Um and then of course then COVID hit. And so anyway, we just really we hadn't really interacted that much. And so um we didn't know each other super well, to be honest. Um, I knew the people who knew Nikki and so um, I knew about her and that she she was someone that would be fun to work with and someone I could trust. But beyond that, we didn't know each other that well. So we've gotten to know each other a lot better working through the process. Um, and it's kind of funny. We each have our quirks. And so we've always said, you know, we have kind of, um, this first part of our journey has been an exploration part of our journey. And, and we, and so at different points, we'll say, you know, there's this thing now that you know about me, you still want to do this (laughs) because, because now you know this thing that I'm always going to do, it's never going to change. So that's been kind of a fun process as we get to know each other.
0: Now, I take it. This is your first venture into even working at a bookstore. Did you have any book selling experience before this venture? no. (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> you mentioned asking the booksellers on Zoom these annoying questions, but it's been my experience so far that booksellers are super supportive of one another. So yes. I imagine they they welcomed you with open arms and, and yes. answer all your questions.
2: What's really fun, what's really been a huge highlight in this process for me is that while we were kind of working through this process of are we going to do this, an independent bookstore in Idaho Falls called Winnie and Mo's opened. And so, of course, you know, we run up there, we look at it, it's amazing. And we were a little concerned because we're not in the same city, but we're in fairly close proximity to each other, how that reaction would go. And we had debated about reaching out or not. And then our to-do list started getting longer and longer and longer. And so we just kind of put reaching out to them on the back burners. we're trying to tackle taxes, state forms, reaching out to publishers, all that kind of thing. And one day they reached out to us on Instagram and said, hi, we're, you know, we see that you're new. We're, we're super new too, but if you ever have anything, reach out to us. And I immediately called Jamie, like I had met Elvis and was like, when you (laughs) just reached out to us, I can't even believe it. They like, they talk to us and that's how it's been everywhere. People have been incredibly you know, supportive, even like on these um, Zoom calls that the ABA organization does, I will just ask the most random things. I'll just pop on. And I'll be like, does anybody know? <laughs> do, you, do you sell pens in a bookstore or something ridiculous? And people have just been delightful. We're going to the conference in February and people have even offered to like us for coffee and answer any questions that we might have. And it's, it's been a wonderful community. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, oh, I don't, my community doesn't have a bookstore. um, You want to do it, ask questions, go into bookstores, talk to people. They're really willing to talk about it and share their best practices, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. And um, it's, it's been a really lovely community to kind of start to be a part of.
0: I have found that universally. I've been at this for five or six years now. And even in my state, there's a, a town with three bookshops within about two to three blocks from one another. And instead of becoming competitors, they band together and developed a book district they're calling themselves. So like you're saying, it's a, it's a beautiful community of supportive people. I guess if you have a competitor like Amazon or chain bookstores, you you cling to one so- another. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you already have the bad guy, right? So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's talk about the name of the shop and how that came about. Because I get the reference, of course. Um, but how did you land on that?
1: So I <laughs> did that first. Yeah. I was going to say Nikki did all the naming because that was before I joined in. And so she has all that story. I don't have anything there. It's a little tag along. <laughs> Well,
2: Jamie calls and's like, "Was this for real? Are you are you really putting a bookstore together?" I've always had a pretend bookstore in my brain, and I said, "Well, if you want to call it Hairs and Hatters, then you're in luck because I've already registered the name of the state." <laughs> I I spent a lot of time looking at pictures of bookstores in England, you know, downtown, you know, Old Town, London Book District, Paris, and I just wanted something that wouldn't be like Pocatello books, Stanton books. You know, I I started to try to see how other bookstores were naming their books. So it checked off a lot of boxes. I don't have an affinity necessarily for the story other than it's a delightful story. And I think everybody kind of grew up in my community with the Disney version of that story. And so I didn't really have a strong affinity for it, but it ticked off a lot of boxes for me, especially because I knew that I wanted to have an online presence with the bookstore, especially in the form of book boxes and offer a quarterly book box is a way to try to maintain a brick and mortar to try to help support a brick and mortar bookshop. Because what's interesting for us is that we're starting a bookstore, a bookshop post-COVID, And so we have the luxury of kind of thinking about bookshop and physical space in a way that people who started before COVID didn't have that luxury of doing. Mm -hmm. So we spent a lot of time talking about like a strong online presence. And so I liked the name Hairs and Hatters Bookshop because bookshop felt more European to me in a way than bookstore Hairs and Hatters was available, and it's hard to find anything available anymore. And then it plays into these book boxes that we wanted to try out. So we have the Mad Tea Party Women's Fiction book box, and then we have the Curiouser and Curiouser Children's book box. And so I liked how all of these themes and words kind of play together off of this title, and I was still going to be open to changing it. But then Jamie sent over an email and she's like, what about some of these for logos? And I absolutely fell in love with this little rabbit top hat coming out of a book. And I was like, it's done for me. This is it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's talk about your book boxes because that's how you're, you're raising funds to open the brick and mortar. So, so tell me a little bit more about the uh, the book box project.
1: Yeah. So the book boxes, um, what we started with was this idea that you um, kind of incorporating authors into the story too. So our book boxes carry a book. Um, The women's box has one book. The children's box usually has two. And then they have a letter from the author, um, which is really fun to include. And then they have some different add-ons that go inside. So the idea is kind of to mail yourself a whole box of book surprise um, or someone that you know and love and would like to send that to also Um, And then they would come quarterly. We haven't made it a subscription yet because we're still getting rolling. So right now it's just that you order each book box individually. Um, And then, yeah, they show up at your door. So we sent one out in December. We're sending one out in March as well. Um, What else would you say, Nikki? I don't know. So one thing that Jamie
2: really brings to the table, which is why she's an amazing person to go on this journey with, is that she's a writer herself. I have a creative writing degree. Jamie has an MFA, and she has access to a lot of authors. And between the two of us, we are fortunate enough to know editors, publishers um, of smaller presses. And so for us, the first book boxes were fairly easy. The women's book box was through publisher, through an editor that I knew, but Jamie had met the author, had met Matt Phelan, who was the author of the two books that we have for our December book, children's book box. And so it was, it's the, the idea of a book box of like, how can we generate funds to not only open a bookstore, but then to sustain it? Because one thing that we're really passionate about is community support. And then if we hire people, we want to pay people a good wage, offer benefits, things like that. And so the thought of depending solely on a bookstore, especially after seeing what happened with COVID and bookstores, we wanted to have another way. Yeah. Our community is small and not, not minuscule, but if, if something like COVID ever happened again and we weren't able to keep doors open for regular business hours, we wanted to make sure that we'd be able to continue to pay people and have some transactions still working. And so these book boxes I was like, well, I've got an idea. and so that's kind of how the women's one came about and then Jamie knew Matt and he was amazing to work with and was so excited to kind of be a part of this. and the children's book box is a lot of fun because we decided that we wanted to have we had made pins um to support the bookstore. Jamie had this great idea to have like a support pin. So you know if you want to give us you know like ten thousand dollars or a thousand dollars, we'll send you a pin. In exchange, for donation, <laughs> it's super fun. They're adorable pins. I want to also just send a donation so I can get one. So we've had a couple people that have sent in donations that we've sent donor pins to. And so this idea of like just wanting to make more pins. So our kid, our children's book box has, will have a pin in every single book box that you'll be able to collect. So Matt was a lot of fun um, in designing that the pin that would go in his box and so there's some toys and some fun things, but this really fun letter for Matt that he signed and his books are in there. It's been really fun because his books are now winning a lot of awards for 2022. And it's been really fun to kind of sell them, to send them people. We've tried a couple of different mo- There's We're not the ones who invent the idea of book boxes. Obviously, there's a lot of fantasy book boxes out there that are doing really well. So we tried a couple things like at first, we're like, oh, well, we won't say what's in the book boxes because people will want to surprise. People do not want to surprise. (laughs) People want to know what's exactly in that box. So we will probably not have the surprise model going forward. We will tell you exactly what's in the box going forward. (laughs) Um, I think fantasy readers want a surprise, but um, contemporary, you know, historical fiction, women's fiction. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) <laughs> you want to know exactly what is in that
1: box. Yeah. And one of the things we're trying to do with the kid box. So I have, um, I actually have six children, so they range a huge range of ages. And so I wanted to pick books that all of my children read because people will say, well, who would read this? And so that was one of the, um, main, um, reasons we chose Matt for that first box is because his books are very universal at any, every age. So, you know, my six-year-old and eight-year-old love his books and my 17-year-old will will sit down and read Matt Phelan's books. So um, he combines narrative with illustrative and graphic work and they're just amazing the way he melts those genres together. Um, and that's why he's, I mean, he's getting several awards this year for the work he does. And so going forward, we have that same emphasis in looking at children's books that Children's books are amazing because um, we all have all our different ages inside of us, right? And so people might grow up, but they still have the different parts of themselves from before. So we're just trying to find those books that um, will reach more than one age group. That's one of the questions we get with that box is, well, who, what age would it be for? And we do really want it to reach more than one age group. So that's how that box is. Yeah.
0: So. When you envision the brick and mortar, what do you see in your mind? What what do you plan to have in the shop? Is it going to be all new books, for instance, or are you going to do a new and used blend?
1: We have a really great used book. I can't, used bookstore in our community. So, and it's actually kind of fun because it's the walrus and the carpenter. Um, and so it, we, they they do, they take care of those used books in our community. So that's not where our emphasis would be um, it would be in the new books, but people, but it would be from children to adult. Um, I, my MFA is, it has an emphasis in children's literature. And so I would never not want children's books in a bookstore. Um, uh, and so it will, it will range both from, from the young to the old. So
0: do you have sort of a timeline of when you hope to, to move into that brick and mortar phase.
1: We have, we
2: so when we met with our when we met in Old Town with this coffee shop and did our pop-up shop, we had never envisioned being in Old Town. Old town in our community, I think has the same problems of old towns in other communities. Parking's pretty limited. Um, you know, you have newer, newer niches in your community of Costco or whatever that it's easier to get to people are spending more time in those areas. So we never really wanted to be in old town, but they, it's such an amazing community. And Jamie and I've spent a lot of time talking about where we want to be and who we want to surround ourselves with. And it really is that environment. Our town does a really great job of like, uh, they have a really great revitalizing old town projects. And so continually every year they draw attention to what's going on in Old Town. They're updating and renovating parks, working on things like that. So we're leaning more and more towards Old Town as we do that. But we also have a new development in our community north of town. And so we're kind of waiting to see what happens there. I always envisioned, you know, windows, storefront, tables outside, community space where reading and writing groups can meet and get together. And so that requires some square footage that we may not get in an old town location where those spaces are kind of already defined. Um, There could be some building opportunities north of town, but interest rates, property costs, all of that are incredibly high. And a lot of developers have already purchased a lot of that land north of town. And in fact, I don't think any of it is for sale right now. And so then we would be looking at leasing instead of owning and buying. So there's a really big question mark as far as like what that space will look like. Um, Jamie's dream, I think right now is to just like get a bus and just have just a bookstore on wheels. <laughs> this is the
1: direction she wants to go in. But um, she's that's really a
0: popular excited. way that people are doing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've talked I- with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've. I, I think what we'll do for certain is we do plan on continuing to do these pop-ups. Um, and we've talked about continuing to be at the art walk. So that takes us downtown um, regularly. And then at least doing one or two in, in other parts of our town to see if it's easier for people to reach those spaces. And at that point, we'll have some better information about where we want to end up. Um, and hopefully continue to grow. Nikki really loves the book boxes. And so she wants to, um, really grow that area. And so we'll see, um, how far we can get it's been surprising how fast it's gone since august so and how much we learn and how much you don't know that you don't know and Mm -hmm. so i just keep thinking well you just keep taking steps and in four months we go to the the um conference in february i'm sure we'll know more then and we'll be better poised to make that decision about where we want to set down roots um, or whether we want wheels instead of roots so we'll see (laughs)
0: Now, my listeners like this next question a lot. Um, what are some of your favorite reads that you know you will want to stock in the shop, or maybe that you're already stocking at the pop-up? Yeah,
2: go ahead, Jamie. I, I she, she's she's going to cover all of oh my tri- gosh. I read too
1: many things. <laughs> so the first book I've been ordered to order by my daughter is a book called Wolf by Wolf, um, because it actually is one of her favorites, and it's very like people don't carry it very often. And I, I looked up a bunch before we got on here because so I was like, I'm gonna forget authors. I am the worst with um, with remembering things. It's by Ryan Groden, and I'm sure I'm not saying the last name right, but it's like an alternate history um, if the Nazis won World War too and she it's just amazing wolf by wolf and so she's already told me when you have a bookstore you will carry that book (laughs) so that's one that's in there but then I range from a lot of um children's books in YA to adults so my next favorite is a book called One Long River of Song by Brian Doyle and it's actually a book of essays um and I hand that to everybody I can I just love um, his work. So I, I really want there to be a wide variety of things to read. And so, yeah, those were my two I thought of for the podcast was I've been, we're going to have Wolf by Wolf and, um, I'd always have some Brian Doyle on the shelves. So what about you, Nikki? Um,
2: I am a huge fan of Emily St. John Mandel. So I read a lot of like contemporary fiction, literary fiction, Um, So I'm reading Sea of Tranquility right now, which is amazing. Um, I super like her works. Um, I became a fan of hers after Station Eleven, which is just a a brilliant book. book. Oh, I love that book. And it felt very uh, surreal having read that several times before COVID happened. Um, I also am a huge fan of Anthony Doyle, who wrote, um, and again, might be saying his last name wrong, who wrote All the Light We Cannot See. And then his recent book, Cloud Cuckoo Land, was my favorite read of the summer. We also we also really like him because I know he's not from Idaho, but he is currently living in Idaho. So we claim him as our own, which is super fun. And then Cloud Cuckoo Land, one of the locations in the book is a small town in Idaho, which is was super fun to read. I read that Uh,
0: when it came out. Another great. Never
2: oh, fantastic. And what's really funny is I finished that book. I had it on audible cause I was, I was running around in the car and I was looking for a book to have. And so that was the format I was really m- missing like a hardbound book. And I was kind of limited to just listening to it in the car and it was really close to the end of it and was training for a half marathon. So I was listening to it also when I ran and I finished that book while I was running laps at our local high school And my kids go to this high school. So all their friends are out tennis practice, football practice, getting ready for the school year. And I'm like crying and like jump scared at one point. And I just thought all of these teenagers that I know watching me think I have seizures, that I have a seizure (laughs) disorder, that I'm on the verge of a mental breakdown. So that was a really fun summer read for me. Um, Jamie picked up a book called The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. That
1: was you. You ordered that one.
2: Yeah, Jamie ordered that one, and then I was kind of perusing through the the few books that we have left from the pop up shop, and I've snagged that one. That one's going to be my next read. I really am a fan of dystopian. I'm a I'm a fan of like literary fiction. You in our town, you can pop into like Costco, Walmart, and pick up any of like kind of the new current reads that publishers are kind of pushing. But if you're interested in anything kind of literary, there it's really hard to come by in our town and so those are the kind of books that I like to read those are the kind of books I like to find on the shelves.
1: The other thing I would I would recommend to people there's the Moriarty sisters um and so Leanne Moriarty she's pretty well known although my favorite of hers is what Alice forgot which is not one of her so I skip the other ones and read what Alice forgot but she has a sister Jacqueline Moriarty who writes um middle grade and young adult and there's a, there's a series called A Corner of White. Um, and there's also one, it has an incredibly long title. It's like the, the something journey of Bronte Metalstone. Um, that's a middle grade that is just amazing. And so, um, I would recommend looking into Jacqueline Moriarty. Hers are very creative and and clever with a lot of humor in them. So those are some of my favorites that, that people just don't know about, you know, we hear those names we always hear. And that's one of the great things about us an independent or small bookstore is we get to know these, these smaller books that don't get heard about, but they're just lovely. There's my favorites are always those. Um, And I have lists of old books, you know, that, that are backlist books that I love. And so um, being able to share those things with readers is is actually one of my favorite things that we did at the bookstore was saying our little pop-up was oh you know I want this kind of book and to be able to say here's one that's like that and here's something you haven't heard about so. yeah,
2: Yeah. Another book I think we're going to have to have because I get calls and text messages frequently is everything by Brandon Sanders like we're going to have to have the whole thing. (laughs) which is really funny because I've met him happenstance at a writing conference before, probably seven years ago, a friend of mine was like, there's Brandon. I'm going to go say hi. And I was like, we have a two hour drive home. TikTok, Let's go. He's just sitting at a table by himself. No one's around. We're chit chatting with them. We must've been there 15, 20 minutes. She's like, Hey, can I get a picture? I'm the one t- taking the picture. I-, I was like, I'll take it. And I was like, you should have gotten in the picture <laughs> And now you can't even get within, you know, a hundred yards of them. The crowds are so big. Yeah. But I was kind of like, TikTok, let's go. I had, you know, I hadn't become a fan <laughs> yet. I get calls a lot about, do you have any of his books? Can I come over to your house and pick one up? And I'm like, I don't right now, but I will. She <laughs> can all of, them, all of them soon, either in person at a coffee shop or a bus coming to you soon. Yeah.
0: So I always liked in deep show with this this final question. And By the time we get to the end of the episode, it's already sort of been discussed um, in various ways. But, you know, I hear a lot that bookshops are magical places. So I like to ask each guest what that means to you when you hear someone describe a bookshop as a magical place.
1: To me, the reason a bookshop is magical is um, that feeling when you go inside of coming to a space where there's so much to learn and there's so... Much love, and I do think independent bookstores, like you said, this community they've built, you really can feel that love when you come inside a bookstore. Um, but I also think it's the independent bookstores, and that's really a you know something that comes from space, but they're always trying to cram so much in, and something about that is magic because it's this search and this wonder and this, um idea that like you never know what you're going to find because they bring so much there and I think in life we have so much that is we must get done or is a routine or is the known that to be able to go to a space and be like here I can find something I didn't know that I loved and that is a magical feeling and we all still want to have that curiosity and wonder we had as children and I think a bookstore can give that back to us in so many ways.
2: I think for me, the reason why bookstores, independent bookstores in particular, are incredibly magical Um, in my studies getting my creative writing degree, I came across the essay, um, The Mirrors, Windows and Sliding Glass Doors, and how it talked about how. Um, stories oftentimes, that stories need to be, that we need to have stories that have all three. So a mirror that reflects back your own experience, a window that allows you to look into somebody else's experience, and a sliding glass door that allows you to step into someone else's experience. I don't think I'm the only one that's been kind of disturbed by how social media is affecting human beings, the kind of the algorithms that are designed to separate us algorithms that are designed to only show us more of what we already like and know instead of, you know, becoming broad and expansive. And so stories for me in particular become incredibly important because of this concept of like mirrors, sliding glass doors, windows, and that opportunity to step into someone else's experience. You get that a little bit with movies and TV, but oftentimes those, what your characters are thinking about have to be said. And you don't really get, but when you're reading, you kind of get internal thoughts, motivations. Yeah. So I feel like that access to other worlds and becoming more empathetic when you come into a bookstore, you're going to find a story that you might not necessarily have seen, you know, logging online and being introduced to different narratives, I think is incredibly impactful. There's something super magical about literally stepping into somebody else's shoes for a short time and understanding the people around you in a way you didn't before.
0: Uh, you know, I'm 20 some episodes into this podcast that I have asked this question on every one and all the questions, there's never been a straight up repeated response to that, to that question. <laughs> so before we go, tell us where people can find you online and how they can um, be a part of the book box project if they're interested.
1: So we have a website that's www.hairsandhatters.com. And I do have people who don't know Alice in Wonderland who say, what kind of hair? Well,
2: it's (laughs) it's Hairs and Hatters Bookshop. Bookshop, It's super long because there's very few names left
1: available in the
0: the
2: world now. You're right. (laughs)
1: Hairsandhattersbookshop.com. And it is a hair like a rabbit. Um, And people always, it's so funny, they'll hold up their hair. They're like, like this? (laughs) I'm like, no. Um, So that's kind of funny. And then we're also at bookshop.org, which is just an amazing organization. So um, you can choose our location and that you can just go bookshop.org and put in Pocatello, Idaho, and our location will come up as a pop-up location. So that's another place to find us and you can get any book through us there on our website, you can order the book boxes. Um, and so people often say, Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you for bringing a bookstore to Pocatello. What can we do to support it? And you know, the number one way, which is for every bookstore, any bookshop in your area, if you you love a bookstore where you're at, and you're listening to this is to support them by going and buying a book, um, go there and buy and, and, be involved in the process and be part of the, the great community that's going on. And so um, that happens at our website also.
0: Okay. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you all Uh, best of luck with the store. And I'm, I'm extending an open invitation so that when you're up and running, come back and, and tell us all about how it's been.
1: All right. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Well,
2: thank you. It's been so fun. And I we love this idea of your podcast. We think it's amazing. We are going to be listeners from here on out.
0: Bookstore Explorer is produced and hosted by me, Matt Browning. Our theme music is Come Right Back to You by Max Hickson. You can follow all my bookstore explorations at BookstoreExplorer.com or on Instagram and Facebook at bookstore explorer, And follow us on Twitter at bookstore EXPLR.